Hey there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 364 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I am Jason Evans, joining you on a Wednesday morning, mid-afternoon. It's about two o'clock here, my time. I am joined by uh, Sam Klein and Donald Wine. Gentlemen, um, well, there ain't an easy way to say it. Duke was number one for only a couple days, huh? <laughs> Sam, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam, that was a tough loss last night. Well, technically, Duke gets to be number one for the rest of the week. But, yeah, right. Uh, there's no more games, and nobody, I don't think anyone thinks of us as being number one. So uh, congratulations in advance, I assume, to Purdue for achieving a number one ranking for the first time. By the way, Purdue, you know, we saw the score of the Purdue-Florida State game. Yeah, remember, prior... remember when I said that was going to be fun? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Donald, hey, say hi, and then I'll make the point I was about to make. Yeah, I, I just want to shout out my friend Erin, who is a Purdue fan. For my birthday last night, I told her I got her a gift instead of vice versa, and her gift was Purdue being number one on Monday because that's what's happening. So after Purdue had beaten Florida State by like 30 or 40 or something, was, the game was completely non-competitive. Uh, I, as I saw that score coming in, I sort of said to myself, I was like, oh, wow, you know, even if Duke wins, maybe maybe Purdue deserves some consideration for number one. Well, now, <laughs> now Purdue's got all the consideration they need because the Duke Blue Devils fall to the Ohio State Buckeyes 71-66 to in the first true road game of the season for Duke. I, boy, this was again, it was very weird because the game felt like it was in hand. In fact, at one point I was taking notes to myself. At one point I said, Duke really isn't playing well. We don't have a big lead, but this feels like one of those games where I'm not at all worried and we're going to win. And then the final five minutes happened, <laughs> but we'll get I mean, into, all... go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is, and I know we'll talk about it is this game we were playing terribly and we were still up 15 at one point. Exactly. Because Ohio state was also playing terribly. And then as you said, the last, like just the wheels came off and I'd, we'll talk about it. it it's just confusing. There's, it's not even there's much it's to confusing. say. There's much to say. I, I thought Duke was going to go one and one in the two game stretch playing Gonzaga and at Ohio state. I didn't think the one and one would happen the, the way it did. <laughs> so guys, let's start with our headlines. Cause that's how we always do this. Uh, uh, you know, our recaps. Um, uh, Sam, I'll come to you first. What is your headline from the Duke Ohio State game? Blue Devils bucked off the number one seed. See, because it's Ohio State and they're the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes, yes. You like that? You, you clever guy, you. Yeah, it, you've, done, you've done better. <laughs> yeah, well, we, look, I'm having an off day. The Blue Devils are having an off day. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, uh, we, we run together like that. Okay, mine's probably not going to be much better. I'll do mine before I get to Donald. My headline is, time for an exam break. The tired Blue Devils are taught a lesson by Ohio State. Donald, what do you have? Yeah, I mean, no kidding. No kidding that, that Duke needs a break right now after yeah. the, the whiplash of the Gonzaga high and the Ohio State low. Mine is buck off. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Donald. Donald, can, can, I, can I reach deep? If Ohio State was only going to win one big game this week, which one would you have preferred it to be? Neither. Ooh, ooh wait, wait, oh. I want to hear. Wait, wait, I didn't hear. What was the answer? He said the neither. Was neither. He's, he's neither. noncommittal. <laughs> that's and like noncommittal. That. That's, that's, that's going to be the answer. If you ask me, would I take, you know, UNC in basketball or UNC football, the answer would be neither. Like, I, I, I don't want, I I don't want Ohio State. That. 
I hate I, Ohio State. That's like rooting for the meteor, right? That's rooting for the, you know. No, it's not. It's you see, here's the thing. I I my dad, Jason, you're like my dad. There's there's some people who have to pick someone to win in everything they watch, right? When Ohio State plays UNC, I don't root for anyone. I root for both to lose because Sunday the rules will change where that can happen. The last one wasn't last night. So it is what it is. There's a, there's a brand new film. I actually, as everybody knows, I'm a film reviewer. I get to see movies early. There's a new film from Adam McKay. Um, uh, he's the writer and director of it. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence and Meryl Streep. And um, it's called Don't Look Up. And it's about a giant um, uh, comet, not a meteor, a giant comet coming to, to hit Earth. Um, that's what we we're rooting for <laughs> uh, in terms of Ohio State, right, Donald? I, 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 if if Ohio State left this earth tomorrow, I would care. Like that's that I I hate Ohio State with everything of my being. I hate UNC with everything of my being. At least I respect the rivalry between UNC and Duke. When Ohio State plays like Saturday, you couldn't tell me nothing. And this morning, you can't tell me nothing either because. Ohio State, I hate them so much that I don't even want to give them credit for them beating us last night. I want to pretend that never happened. So let's let's talk about it. Okay, so time to talk about it. And we will begin with the good. There has to be some good here, right, gentlemen? There has to be something that we saw that we liked. Donald, what was there to take away from this game that you appreciated for the Blue Devils? Uh, my appreciation for Wendell Moore Jr. keeps going up and up. And there's we, we keep talking about him because we feel like there's We've run out of ways to say how great he's been playing, but he's been playing pretty great. Last night, he had what 18 points, 17 points, eight rebounds, five assists. He was just off his 17, six and six that he's been averaging. Uh, I mean, if you have an average window more game, that's a really good game. So he, I thought he played extraordinarily well at most of the time throughout the game. I, I know he took 15 shots, but I'd rather him take 15 shots than, you know, some other guys on the team that did take a lot of shots that we will probably talk about uh, later. But, you know, he was good on the boards. He was good on defense. He was good at the, you know, pretty good at the free throw line, three for five, you know, about what you expect from him. But he continues to put these numbers up and it continues to amaze me every time he does it. Yeah, he was um, he was he was my best good thing as well. Uh, in addition to 17, 8, and 5, he had a couple steals. You mentioned his defense, uh, uh, you know, always the leader. And, and I think that that sort of defense is where I want to go next. Um, Sam, what, what did you think? I thought the Duke D was was fairly good in this game, at least for the first 35 minutes. You, you agree? Definitely. Um, it's not like Ohio State is the you know, is the greatest offensive team, but they have a lot of weapons on the perimeter. And Duke was, for the most part, able to to stifle that. The challenge for Duke, and we'll talk about this more in the bad, was really in the paint, which in the preview, I mean, we have to we have to say that we, we got this totally wrong when we were talking about it in the preview, that the challenge for Duke was in the paint. But but in transition, Duke was um, Duke was forcing turnovers. They didn't turn the ball over themselves very much and force Ohio State into 12 turnovers. Uh, a lot of those were kind of in transition. Generally speaking, I think someone, one of you was saying this earlier, it was a pretty sloppy game. Um, it felt like the, the ball like leaked out a lot. The, the, we don't show a lot of turnovers, but I think there were a lot of long rebounds and, and bad passes and guys slipping and falling. Uh, I think I, I texted you two at one point and said, it feels like this game is being played on skates. Like there was something 
there was yep. something weird about, I don't know, maybe the, the floor was, was extra greasy last night, but uh, there, there was a lot of sort of general havoc. And I actually thought that, right, for the first 30, 35 minutes of the game, Duke really held themselves well uh, and, and conducted themselves well, especially on the perimeter. And I also wanted to, to highlight Wendell Moore because he had, uh, he had his 10-5-5 game uh, pretty handily. He was, he was on track in the first half for a triple-double. Uh, and, and then obviously didn't quite get there, but, um, but man, the, the sort of continued uh, ability of that guy, I think that the, you know, I, I, there's nothing I want to put on, on him on this game. Uh, we'll get to the bad and, and we'll highlight more, but yeah, I think the defense continues to be good. And, and I think the Duke is rounding into form in that regard. There are obviously still missing pieces on offense that we have to talk about. Yeah, and, and before we get to the bad, I, I, I do want to say about uh, about the defense, um, we forced Ohio State, I thought, into a number of tough shots, and and they just made a decent number of them. EJ Liddell was every bit as good as advertised. Um, he he had a knack for hitting. He he shoots the ball when he's in in the post and such. You know, when he's inside the three point line, he shoots the ball from way over his head, making it very difficult to defend and and block. And he was just knocking down those those mid-range, you know, short to mid-range shots in a truly impressive kind of way. And, and Zed Key, man, this guy Zed Key, he, he scored more against us. He had 20 points against Duke. He scored more against Duke than he did against Florida, Seton Hall, and Xavier combined. He's not that good a player, but they did a great job of surrounding him with shooters and just letting him operate in the post against Mark Williams. It was funny, the very first time he went in there against Mark Williams. He got a bucket um, by sort of leaning into Mark and forcing Mark out of the way and then taking that little hook shot of his. The second time he did it, Mark blocked the shot. And I was like, okay, that's going to teach Zed Key a lesson. They kept on going back to him and, and they were really successful at it. And I, I feel like Duke never did a great job of, of adjusting. I'm supposed to be talking about the good. How do I get into bad things like this? I don't know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Can I add in, in the good, yeah. if, if we want to allow me to be facetious for a second, uh, free throw defense for the Blue Devils. Excellent. Uh, Ohio State, actually, my, my one concern at halftime, we, Donald, you were saying that like Duke was up, by, was up by 15 and felt like they were in pretty good shape. The one thing that was concerning to me at halftime that was sort of lying about the score was the fact that Ohio state was missing all their free throws. Yeah. And that actually should have been our first sign. Like if you give Ohio state back uh, enough of those missed free throws to get them to like 75% or so, I think they finished the game around 50%, but they missed a ton in the first half. If you give them, you know, six or seven more of those misses back, then it's really only like a four or five point game at halftime. And that feels a lot closer than it did. Like I, I was sort of feeling what you were at halftime, which is, Duke is up by 13. We haven't played particularly well. Um, and, and there's still a lot of room for improvement, especially on, on the offensive side. Duke isn't shooting the ball well. So why can't Duke just come out and score another 40 and put this team away? Yeah, and while you're speaking about free throws, I mean, I want to comment on the fact that we were 12 for 16. That's 75%. Everyone who's listened to me the last few weeks has said 75% is where you want to be. And the funny thing about it is, during the game, I'm, I'm watching the games with my best friends and I'm commenting to one of them about how it felt like we weren't 12 for 16. It felt like it was we were more towards 50 percent, but we were shooting from the from the charity stripe very, very well. And Sam, like you mentioned, the one the one flip to that is that Ohio State was not making their free throws. And so it felt like even with that, if they were going to have to follow us down the stretch, 
we had the guys that were making free throws that were going to, you know, keep us in that game or, or put the game away. And that's not what happened. But I, I will say that the free throw shooting, if again, we had, we had a couple of bad games, but the last few games, like two of the last three games, we've had really good nights from the free throw line. We need to keep that up because we're going to be fouled quite a bit this season and we need to make sure we make our free throws. Gentlemen, I've got one last good thing I want to get to, and I want, I'm going to have you guys participate in this, and I'm going to set it up in this way. And my good thing is this was a good learning experience for the Blue Devils. Uh, that's important for a young team. Um, we had someone write to us, a, a, a listener named Devin, who pointed out that this is the first true road game for every single player in this team, with the exception of Joey Wendell and Theo, that no one else in this team, even guys who are sophomores, even guys who were here last year, hasn't really experienced a true road game, a true road arena, because last year was, was so weird. And, and Devin wrote to us and said, do you think that was a factor tonight? And I, I want to get you guys to chime in on, on the notion of whether or not being on the road for the first time was a factor for a lot of these guys. But before you do, I, I think this was a great learning experience for this team to learn about how the crowd can really lift an opponent. It was an absolute morgue in the Ohio State arena throughout much of that game that the crowd was not in my opinion the crowd was not into it that much I, I i could hear through my television that there wasn't a lot of cheering they weren't egging them on all that much until the second half um till late in the second half when they started to come back and then the crowd really lifted ohio state in the final few minutes um i, I think the team needs to learn from a game like that when you have someone down stomp on their throat and keep them down until they can't come back the team needs to learn about giving real effort every single night. Recall that right after the Kentucky game, we played Army. And even though the final score was 20 plus points, I don't think any of us felt like Duke played very well against Army. Um, this team needs to learn how to be consistent in terms of its effort. These may sound like criticisms, but I'm treating this game as a learning experience for Duke. Duke was not going to go undefeated on the season. We don't deserve to even talk about that. It's not a notion worth exploring. So if you're going to take a loss, might as well take a loss where you learn something from it. And I thought there was a lot they could take from that game. So let me come back to the question that Devin asked. Guys, do you think that the crowd, that being on the road for the first time, was a factor for the Blue Devils last night? Definitely. Uh, as, as they mentioned, I don't know how many times on the broadcast, this was for everyone except for Wendell Moore and Joey Baker. It was their first uh, it was their first real road game that they've played in college because last year they weren't playing in front of crowds. And, the so, and Theo John and Theo and Theo John. Right. Um, at least as members of, of the Duke program. And let's face it, uh, Marquette does not get the same treatment on the road. The Duke does that. So that, that I am sure that Theo John is not used to what uh, last night in Columbus. So yeah, it's a great learning experience. The other good thing that I think coach K will tell you repeatedly is the NCAA tournament is not played in road environments. Um, even if, even if you get overwhelming crowds in one direction or another, they're played in much larger, more sterile, admittedly arenas. So, um, I, while I think this is, this is valuable for Duke to kind of recognize, all right, these are issues with our game. And these are the things that we need to improve. Um, it's not like Duke has to be good at winning road games in Columbus to win a national championship, to win, even to win the ACC, because there are honestly, there are enough ACC road games that are not like this, but it is a learning experience for that. It does force the team um, to, 
to look at things that they could do better. And yeah, if that's the, if that's the kick in the pants, they need to work a little bit harder during the, during this break before ACC season starts, you know, after a few more, uh, you know, less difficult non-conference games than before it. The other thing that I think it, it highlights for Duke uh, and part of this is on the coaching staff, but part of this is on the individual player is the need for AJ Griffin to get up to speed. Um, because there was, there were a lot of times last night where I was thinking whether he was on the court or not, I was like, man, the version of AJ Griffin that I thought we were going to get would be a huge difference maker here, particularly on post defense, but also on the offensive end. You know, he only played two minutes. He played less than two minutes. He, the official box score has him a minute and 59 seconds. AJ right. Griffin was a non-factor completely. Yeah. And, and going back to the, to the crowds and stuff like that, let's put it this way. I clarify and push back a little bit on it for this reason. When we say the first real true road game, we mean in front of a sold out crowd because last year, if you remember throughout the pandemic, we had some games that were played behind closed doors, but on the road, it seemed like ever so often we would come across a team that just so happened to decide the day before the Duke game that they were going to let fans in. And they did that for a reason because momentum is a mother, right? Like, they learned last night that when momentum on the road, when the home team gets that momentum, it can carry you through to victory, even if you don't deserve it or even if it's a sloppy affair. We have this all the time in Cameron. We've had many times in Cameron where we've been down, and maybe not 15 points, but we've been down, and the will of the crazies propels us to go on a patented Duke run, and we're off and running and not looking back. On the road, though, we have to make sure that like you said, Jason, the crowd was out of it for three quarters of the game. And we need to make sure that they stay out of it for the whole game that, you know, when, when it's five minutes left, they shouldn't be trying to get back into the game. They should be trying to find where their car is in the parking lot because the game is over. That's what they need to learn to do. And that requires effort for all 40 minutes. And last night we just didn't get that last five minutes to close them out. So it may not have felt like it, but that's it for the good <laughs> we will be taking a quick break. When we come back, we're going to break down what went wrong, what was bad about Duke's loss to Ohio State. Stay tuned. We got a lot more content to come. <laughs> All right, we're back, gentlemen, as we continue to dissect Duke's loss to Ohio State. And guys, it's time to talk about the bad. Um, and usually I would toss to one of you, but uh-uh, I'm taking host privilege. I'm going to start. The fouls. Duke committed some awful fouls, and it put us in real trouble. It wasn't just that, look, Duke committed 23 fouls in this game, which is far and away the most we've had in any game this season. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to give you the numbers. I looked it up. How many fouls Duke has had in other games we played this year? We had 15 against Gonzaga. We had 13 against Citadel. We had 10 against Lafayette, 12 against GW, 12 against Campbell, 12 against Army, 15 against Kentucky. Gonzaga and Kentucky, 15 fouls. Those are the only games that even come within a, uh, the vague zip code of committing 23 fouls against Ohio State. And I want to be clear, it wasn't that Ohio State was like really taking the ball to us hard and that we were committing fouls on guys taking shots at the, at the bucket and things like that. We committed a number of really foolish fouls on the perimeter, reaching, guys just not moving their feet well enough. I, we looked like a team that was tired. 
We looked like a team that didn't know how to play tough defense. And, and I thought the fouls, they, they changed the game around late. Our guys were, they couldn't defend the way they wanted to. They couldn't play offense the way they wanted to. And when you start to relax a little bit because you're worried about picking up a foul, it affects everything in your game. You don't realize how much it ripples through everything else you're doing. Uh, tell me I'm wrong. I know I'm not. No, you're not wrong because especially late in the game, I noticed that a lot of the times that they were getting baskets, they were backing down Mark Williams, Paul Bancaro, and or Theo John before he fouled out. He fouled out with like five minutes left. But they were, all they had to do, because they know they each had four fouls, was back them all the way down to the restricted circle. And once they were on the restricted circle, they knew they could do whatever they wanted because they had to, our guys had to back off or risk getting a foul. So they had a lot of baskets late where they were within six inches of the, of the net because they could get all the way down to the net. And once they were inside that circle, they knew they had the leverage to go straight up and know that they weren't going to get fouled or, or it, our guys just couldn't play the defense that they wanted to play. Mark Williams had to back up and kind of do a little thing. So I think that really hurt because once they realized they could just go down to the paint at will with all our guys in foul trouble, that became how they got back into this ball game and eventually won it. Sam, your turn. What, what's your bad from this game? First, first of probably several topics, huh? <laughs> well, I, I think on the, I think on the fouls, the thing that was most frustrating to me was that, there were a couple instances where the Duke players were clearly rattled by the moment. I'm thinking specifically about Paulo's third foul, which happened late in the, in the first half. And I'm not, I, I think there are some folks that, that uh, would criticize coach K for leaving a guy like Paulo, who's, you know, Duke's most talented player on the court with two fouls late in the first half. I think it's good. I'd rather, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather the guys like play hard and play their best uh, and, you know, if they foul out after 35 minutes or, or 30 minutes or whatever, at least we got good. I'd rather have 30 good minutes than than 35 timid minutes. Um, so I, I'm fine with with that happening. But Paulo got frustrated and immediately picked up that third foul. Uh, and, and that happened to Mark Williams once or twice yesterday. It definitely happened to Theo John, which caused him to foul out of the game. So, yeah, the refs were calling it tight. Figure that out and adjust. Um, you're You're not going to change the the referee style mid game, you can learn from it though. And you can see pretty clearly, you know, are they, how, how closely are you swiping another guy for them to, to call that foul? The other thing that I'm, I, I now want to be concerned about or not want to be, but I think I am concerned about uh, that, that we had highlighted, I think in a few other games is the perimeter shooting. There have been games where Duke has been good at shooting outside, but for the most part, I think the team collectively struggles um, Jeremy Roach has really has really had a tough time of it. He did go four for 10 uh, from the field yesterday and just one for four from outside uh, and, and mostly gets um, mostly gets open shots. It's not like, you know, it's not like Jeremy Roach forces himself to take, he's, he's not the focal point of the offense. And everyone knows he's the fifth option. Yeah. And, and he was taking, he was taking bad outside shots and he was taking bad drives yesterday. So that is, you know, again, in terms of like, you've got a little bit of time off to watch some tape and, and figure out how to, how to improve on offense. I imagine that Jeremy Roach is going to be looking at how to contribute as, as the you know fourth or fifth option, depending on exactly who's on the floor with him. That is, that's a source for improvement, but I think everyone's outside shooting uh, needs to get better. Duke can't shoot th under 30% from three and expect to go deep in a tournament. Uh, uh, look, uh, Jeremy Roach, I think Trevor Keels is the guy that we need to be talking about in terms of, 
hitting his shot on the season. Now Trevor Keels is hitting just 30%, just barely 30% of his threes. He's hitting just 40% of his two point shots. He's only hitting 67% of his free throws in the season. This is supposed to be a guy who's a great shooter. Can't even hit, you know, more than two out of every three free throws. It feels to me like he's trying to do too much and he's really taking bad shots as a result. Last night, he was three for 12 from the field. You think that's bad? He, he's actually been worse than that the past two games. Over the past three games, Trevor Keels is seven for 32 from the field, 21.8%. That's awful. 21, less than 22% from a guy who's supposed to be one of your primary scorers and a, and a really good shooter. And I, I don't want to only pick on Trevor. I thought Duke's shot selection last night was at times terrible. Paulo Bancaro took some bad shots. We're sort of used to that from him because he hits some of them sometimes, but they were still bad shots. Joey Baker took a pair of shots in the lane where he, I, I have no idea what Joey was thinking on those shots. They are not shot. Maybe he's hitting them in practice. I've never, Joey Baker's now in his fourth year in the program and admittedly hasn't played a ton. I've never seen the shots he took. I've a never seen him take, but B never seen him come close to making in his entire career. I thought our ball movement was awful. We, we never found a good passing room move uh, passing rhythm. I mean to say um, against their half court defense, it, it felt like they, they kept on forcing us into half court offense and we just never got any good kind of looks. We never got anything in transition um, and, and our, our shot selection from, yeah, from Roach, from Keels, from Bancaro, from Baker. It, it was sorely, sorely lacking. That's why Duke scored at one point in the final five minutes. Regarding Trevor Keels, I think that we suffer a bit from the fact that he was so superb against Kentucky to start the season that we all, at least I am guilty of this, was just so like immediately taken with his ability against a high level opponent that I just sort of expect at this point, like, yeah, Trevor Keels is going to hit, you know, 45, 50% of his, of his field goals because he is, he is so big and so strong and is able to get to the basket and he could shoot. So, yeah, he's got he's got mid thirties uh, three point capability in him, and I just sort of expect that. And and it, it's possible he's not there yet. You know, most freshmen are not good enough for that, even the five star freshmen. And and it's okay that it's taking him time. Uh, he has you know he has a little bit more time to to round it all into form. Again, this is the benefit of of Duke getting a little bit of a break is that they can pull up, watch the watch the tape from this. Guys like Keels and Roach, I think, can learn a ton really, really quickly uh, in, in this period before um, ACC season starts. Jason, when you were talking about Joey Baker and whether he works on the shot that he was taking in practice, it reminded me, uh, uh, and Sam, you'll laugh at this, it reminded me of Patrick Ewing's famous uh, quote as a coach when he was yelling in the huddle at a guy where he said, do you work on that shot? Have you ever taken that shot? And the guy goes, yes, I have. And he goes, when? I want to know when. Joey Baker has been working on whatever shot he's taking during the games. Cause it doesn't look like something he I've been, I've been to a practice. He did not work on that jumper in practice. So uh, I, I think when it comes to that, it kind of leads into uh, a little bit of just the overall sloppiness of this game. And it, I, I think Joey Baker's shot, Trevor Keels and Jeremy Roach, some of their shots they were taking, yes, they were open, but they didn't look comfortable doing some of them. Uh, and just overall, even on Ohio state side, like the ball was on the floor rolling around quite a bit. So I, 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 I say that Jason, cause I know you want to talk about it, but I think all of this has to deal with just uh, this game was super sloppy and I am not really sure why it was sloppy, but it led to a lot of these issues that we had. 
Gentlemen, I want to take you to the 14 minute, between the 15 and the 14 minute mark of the second half. You want to talk sloppy. I'm going to recount for you what happened because I, I watched it and then I went, I'm going to go back and record. I, I want to go back and you know write this down because this was, it was unreal, this sequence of plays. It, it started at 1449. Um, Ohio State missed both free throws, which is sloppy. Trevor Keels comes down, fumbled the ball away on offense, like went into the lane, like knocked it off his knee or something like that, fumbled it away. Ohio State came back the other way. They're basically on a fast break. They dribbled the ball off their knee as well. Wendell Moore picked it up, goes all the way down. He gets a wild, took a wild shot that got blocked. It had no chance of going in. Ohio State then got a fast break for a wide open three. Remember this? This guy was on the wing. I can't even tell you how much time he had to take this shot. He airballed it airballed it completely a wide open three that sequence where they were missing free throws dribbling balls off their knee duke was taking wild forays into the lane and putting up bad shots that sequence is indicative of what a sloppy game it was for both teams everybody seemed out of sync during this game jason they needed the benny hill theme for that minute like they needed the we yes. it, it it was i mean like again like, it was called the game yeah. Yeah, the Yankees say it's it's indicative of what it was like, and it wasn't just then. I mean, there was a couple of times in the first half where uh, they would we would turn the ball over. You know, one of the few times we did turn the ball over, and then Ohio State would just throw the ball right to us, and then or we'd make a basket. And Ohio State, there was one steal that Wendell Moore had, where literally all he had to do was stand there and be Wendell Moore, and the Ohio State guy literally passed the ball in to Wendell Moore. Uh, but then the sloppy part of it is that they go down and they blow a layup. And then it goes the other way, and it's another you know thirty seconds where the ball just seemed to be eluding everybody, uh, but not going into the basket. All right, so I got one last bad thing I want to touch on before we wrap things up. And, and by the way, gentlemen, we will we will be picking a player of the week because there are no more games this week <laughs> at the end of this podcast. But before we go, uh, the last bad thing I wanted to mention is fatigue. I thought Duke absolutely seemed tired. You could see it in the fouls they committed. You could see it in their shooting. The ball was clanging off the front of the rim a tremendous amount of time. We had tired legs. We shot poorly as a result. We, only, we were only 7 of 31, 22% in the second half. I'm going to repeat that. Duke shot 22% from the field in the second half. Ain't going to win many games at all, shooting 22%. Um, in the second half, we were just 1 of 8 from 3, 12.5%. Duke only made four total three-pointers in this game on the season. 34% of Duke shots are three-pointers. We're, we're one of the bottom, like, 25% of teams in the country in terms of the number of threes that we're taking. And our three-point field goal percentage is just 32.8%. We're, we're in the bottom half, easily in the bottom half of all teams in the country at three-point field goal percentage. But, but specifically on this game, I saw a tired Duke team. I think a lot of the problems, a lot of the poor shots that we were taking were a result of the team – not having the energy it usually does. Now, whether that's they were traveling, you know, I'm sure they've been on the road for, for several days between going to Las Vegas and then going to Ohio State, or whether it was, you know, just we've been in a little bit of a grind and then the players need a little bit of a break. I, I don't know what it was specifically. They're getting a break now for exams and for other stuff, and there's plenty for them to work on. But, but it, it was clearly a very fatigued Duke team last night. I mean, Jason even though the Gonzaga game was at a neutral site, as you mentioned, it was in Las Vegas. Like I know traveling from the East coast to Las Vegas is a long flight followed by another long flight 
followed by another long flight. And, 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 and by the way, Ve- really quick, Vegas saps your energy. It does. <laughs> Vegas saps your energy too. Yeah. Forget, forget being in Vegas. Just, I mean, the game and yes, the, the lights, 24 hours of Vegas. They, I mean, there's a reason why people say you got to get out of there after well, 48, 72 hours, but Miami is kind of the same way. You know, I live there too. Get in and get out, have fun, get out. But it's really tiring to do all that traveling. And then on top of that, they had Thanksgiving. They had their families that, it, you know, while it's a good time, that is also for a lot of people a very tiring time because you have to be on the whole time. Then you turn right around and you go to Columbus for a game. I can see where they got tired. And, and that's just for two games, right? They had the Citadel game the Monday before. They had games the week before. Like th- that has, you know, populated and people don't understand what toll that can take on anyone much less an 18-year-old kid who's experienced this for the first time. Okay, guys, so before we wrap it up, we do Player of the Week. I, I have a strong sense of where we're all going to be going for our Player of the Week. But, um, Sam, I'll come to you first. Uh, who is the Blue Devil that you think was the best in the loss to Ohio State? It's got to be Wendell Moore, right? I think he was the only one that we that we discussed at length in the good. Um, another you know, pretty strong performance from him on offense, really good on defense. Uh, Wendell Moore has, has made a leap that a uh, few players uh, I think I can remember in, in, in Duke history have made and uh, were, you know, if not for him last night, Duke maybe loses this game by 12, 13. So uh, Wendell Moore's player of the week, by the way, he was ACC player of the week last week. So, uh, so good job by us picking him. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll give you the comp for Wendell Moore. You said you can think of a few players, Nolan Smith, folks go back and look at yep. Nolan Smith's, career uh and his stats his first couple seasons and then the way he exploded as a junior that's what we're seeing i think from wendell moore and i completely agree sam there's no question player of the game i.e player of the week because we're only playing one game donald you're gonna make it three for three i am i mean he's putting up shane Battier numbers he continues to do that and pretty soon if he keeps doing it we're just gonna have to start calling him wendell moore numbers that's that's our captain i like it i like it works for me All right. Well, so folks, we're going to take a break here. We will have content for you over the next couple of weeks while the Blue Devils are also taking a break. Uh, It'll be it'll be coming in drips and drabs, maybe not quite as fast and furious as it has the past few days. But we're getting ready for uh, uh, the Blue Devils to um, take on maybe some easier opponents (laughs) than Gonzaga and Ohio State. And then the ACC Wars will begin. We will have recaps of all of it and previews and all that other jazz please continue to write to us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, now is the best time to like and subscribe. You want to give us a gift for the holidays? Subscribe to the podcast. We would love it. Leave us a nice review as well, because we love getting those five-star reviews. If you have a one-star review, email it to us. Don't don't leave it on, on your favorite website. So for Sam and Donald, I am Jason. Thanks again, people, for joining us. Even though it was a loss, we're still here to talk about it. Duke Band, play us out and take us home.